0: well good morning it's good to see you this morning as we uh, almost halfway through september and uh, as many of you know we've been doing a lot of work up at mizpah and many of you have been involved in that and i just wanted to give a little update this week we were able to uh, finish putting up some of the back stairs to the lodge we have the electrician and the plumber and mechanical and the fire people all set and ready to go working on things there so we're excited about what God is doing at our camp there at Mizpah by White Sulphur but please continue to pray as uh, we work on that we'd love to have the lodge itself up and running as soon as possible and I know last week we had another group down in the uh, cabin area and they're also working on Some of the the drainage and the pond down there, so uh, lots of work being done, but to continue to pray. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing on his word this morning. Father, as we come before you, may we recognize that you are the Lord of all, and that we can put our trust, our faith in you. Lord, as we face uncertain futures, Lord, we know that you can see that future. Lord, help us to rely on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is September 11th, a uh, day, a date that has become a very familiar day. Whenever we say 9-11, we automatically go back to 2001. And as we think about that, what took place on that day coincides with our lessons from God's Word today. But as we think about it, can you think where you were on 9-11? Now some of you who are under the age of 21, probably uh, under the age of 25, you probably don't remember it very well, but 21 years ago we had an attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and then a fourth plane that uh, crashed in Pennsylvania and we see that, but you all picture, or remember where you were. I know exactly where I was. Somebody came in and said, have you seen what's going on in New York? And I'm like, no. And so you, you turn on the news or the radio or whatever at that time, trying to find out more about it. And so we have a little video that uh, is a reminder, and you know, will bring back memories of 9-11.
1: Most of us remember that day. It's etched in our minds, a permanent reminder of tragedy. We all watched helplessly as lives were lost, heroes were born, and a nation was forever changed. The loss was unimaginable, the sorrow unbearable. But through that pain, we witnessed the resolve of a nation. We saw chaos give birth to courage, fear transform into fortitude, and destruction give way to determination. In the midst of the brokenness, freedom stood immovable. Today, we remember those we lost. We honor the heroes who saved so many and grieve with the families who have suffered so much. We still remember, and we will never forget.
0: Well, as that video reminded us, destruction turned to determination. And we see that as a response of that horrific act, we as a nation responded with determination, with unity. But each and every one of us as individuals had responses in our own lives, in our own hearts. Oftentimes that response was fear, questioning what was going to take place, what would happen next, would there be another attack, Were we safe? History.com wrote this summary. The shock and horror of September 11th wasn't confined confined to days or weeks. The attacks cast a long shadow over American life from which the nation has yet to fully emerge. What was once implausible and nearly unthinkable, a large-scale attack on American soil, became a collective assumption. Terrorists could very well attack again, perhaps with biological or nuclear weapons, and steps must be taken to stop them. We implemented protective measures to reduce the possibility of a similar attack. If you've flown on a plane since 9-11, it's been a little different than before then. We tightened the requirements for people to enter the country. No fly lists, things like that. But still we wondered if and when another attack would occur. I remember I was taking a flight not too long after 9-11 and I remember sitting in the airport waiting there for the plane to board board the plane and, and looking around at some of the other passengers, looking at them and wondering. I'm sure they were looking at me and wondering Fear, question, what does the future hold? But in all areas of our life, we wonder about the future. We struggle with decisions we make. If I make this decision, what's going to happen today or what's going to happen tomorrow? What direction should I take? Maybe you're here today and you're a young person and you're determining your, your course of life, what college to attend or what career to pursue. What happens if I make the wrong choice? Or Maybe you're here and, and you're wondering on a, about a relationship and, and you're saying, what, what, is this the path I should take? And we allow fear to control us. We wonder, what's the right choice? What's the right decision? What direction do we need to pursue? This morning, we're going to look at some sage advice from a man named Solomon. He was considered the wisest man in the world. Obviously, Scripture, God-inspired Scripture, but Solomon shares throughout the book of Proverbs. We call them wise sayings. That's what the word means. But we see that Proverbs has some wisdom for us to follow. Solomon, the writer of most of the Proverbs, wrote in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, this... He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the topic of trust. We examined the battle between trust and worry, and we looked at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus commanding us, do not worry. Through our relationship with God as our Master, as our Father, and as our Lord, we can put aside worry as we trust Him, but worry is something that we all battle with each and every day. As our, but as our Master, God will supply our needs. As our Father, He cares for us. And as our Lord, He is to be our focus. And in Matthew 6, 25-34, we see all three of those aspects of our relationship with God pointing to to the importance of trusting him. And the passage ends in verse 33 saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By trusting God, we can win the battle with worry. Last week, we looked at the connection between trust and contentment. We need to believe in God's providence. We need to trust his provision. We need to rely on his power. We need to look from his perspective, and we must rely on his promises. The Apostle Paul was writing in Philippians 4 and saying that in whatever state he was, whether to have plenty or to be in need, he could know that he could be content because of God. Very familiar uh, verse in that passage, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is written in the context of being content No matter where we are at, are we content? It's a battle every single one of us face. And the only way that we can win that battle, the only way that we can be content is by trusting God. He is the one who is in control. His providence and provision in our lives must be the trust that we stand on. But this morning, as we continue on, we're reminded to trust God to guide us. We don't need to fear the future. Instead, we can trust that God will lead us. And we see in these verses that we can trust in the Lord and he will direct our paths. We see that we need to trust him completely. The beginning of verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now you remember what all means, right? If you've been here many times, you've probably heard this whenever we come across the word all in Scripture. All means all. That's all all means. We need to trust Him always with all of our hearts. The word trust means to lie helpless. It has the the picture of face down as as someone was prostrate knowing that in and of themselves they had no hope. We must put our trust in God at all times, in all areas. This picture should represent our trust of the child that's trusting the father to catch them. You've been probably, or maybe you've been on both sides of that catch. I've had a couple times where my kids just jumped and I I wasn't prepared, but God will always be prepared. We need to have that childlike faith unwavering confidence in our father's wisdom faithfulness and love as a human father i am not always all wi- i'm not all wise i should say i'm not always faithful but our heavenly father is all wise he is faithful and we can trust him we defined faith over these last couple of weeks we defined faith as acting as if the promises of god are true You see, faith is more than just a saying. I can say I have faith in something, but if it doesn't change the way I live, do I really have faith in it? You had faith as you came in this morning. I watched you. I didn't see many people come in and, and, and go and look at the chair and, and get down on your hands and knees and grab the legs to make sure they were firm and they weren't going to break or fall. You just came in and you said, okay, I'm here. It's been a long morning already. ready. He's probably going to give a long sermon. I hope this chair is comfortable. But you didn't question whether you could sit in it. And you see, we have a picture of a couple chairs here. One's like, yeah, this one's good. The other one is like, oh, maybe not. But you see that one on the right may be like the one on the left. It just puts up a facade. One of the issues with faith is what or who we're having our faith in. But we can be confident because our faith is in an all-knowing, all-loving, faithful God. And we can act as if the promises of God are true because we know the promises of God are true. We have the reliability of the one in whom we place our faith. But why do we struggle with trusting God in our daily life? If you're here this morning or if you're watching online, I, I trust that there's a time in your life when you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to be your Savior. I know I have done that, and so my eternity is secure in Christ. But in my daily life, when the, when the cares of life come, it's often easy to not trust. Why do we struggle? Trusting God. We, go, we say, God, you're all-knowing. God, you are all-powerful. God, you are the creator of the universe. You know what's going on. You're faithful in everything you do. But yet when I get into a crunch, when I get into a difficult circumstance, it's easy for me to lack trust. Why? Well, we may be facing these difficult circumstances. We can doubt God. Is he really going to come through for me today? Or we may be relying on our own strength or the strength of others. I can handle this. I got it. Maybe we're controlled by worry or fear. We may feel distant in our relationship with God. He just doesn't feel close. Or maybe we try to manipulate the situation to fit our desired outcome. If I really... Follow that definition of trust to lie helpless and let him take total control. What's he going to make me do? Maybe I'll have to move to Africa. Maybe I'll do something that I hate doing. I don't know if I can trust him. Instead, I'll manipulate the circumstances to do what I want to do. But then he goes on, he says, not only trust God with all your heart, but lean not on your own understanding. Don't rely on yourself. We struggle with giving up control to God. Do we really want God to take over? Maybe we're worried about what He'll have us do, or maybe we're just confident in our own ability to handle the situation. You remember the old bumper sticker? God is my co pilot. I think it must have came out in the 70s or 80s. If you have that on your car, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin for you here. But but that is not a biblical bumper sticker. What's it say? Okay, God, come on, you can sit in the co-pilot seat. That's not what God's asking. He says he needs to be the pilot and we need to step back and take our hands off the wheel. But we say, but God. It's interesting, the first 11 verses of Proverbs 26 speak of the foolishness of a fool. And you read through them, and some pretty descriptive uh, pictures here of what a fool is like, and I'll just share a few of them from those first 11 verses. In verse 1, it says, As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Verse 3, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Maybe you shouldn't send a message by a fool. Verse 9, like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Verse 11, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Some great graphic pictures of the foolishness of a fool. And and you read those first 11 verses and you say, well, Lord, I, I pray I'm not a fool. Help me not to be a fool. But then he comes to verse 12 of Proverbs 26. Notice what he says. Proverbs 26, 12, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We just got through showing how foolish... The fool is. Their hopeless situation. And then, it says, you think being a fool is bad? How about being someone who is confident in their own abilities rather than trusting God? So, here Solomon in in Proverbs 3 says, Do not lean on your own understanding. How foolish it is when we think we can handle the situation. We think too highly of ourselves. But we say, God, I've got it. I'll let you know if I need your help, but I probably won't. You see, we we have an idea of what's going on, but we need to realize that, that we see a tiny piece of the puzzle and God sees the whole thing. And we need to trust Him. We need to lie down helplessly saying, God, I can't handle this. I trust you at all times in all areas. I was uh, sharing with a group of elementary school kids, and, and uh, it's really good to do a, an object lesson. It's good to do an object lesson with adults too. Maybe it keeps you from falling asleep. But uh, for kids, you know, you like to do an object lesson. And I came across one, I thought this was great and so and the subject that i was supposed to be talking about was trusting god so it worked wonderfully so what i did is i got two puzzles you know, like those 25 piece puzzles and and you got two teams of two kids they're like third or fourth graders and so each team was to put their puzzle together but one team got the box that had the picture of what the puzzle was supposed to look like and the other team didn't this will be great so we, I say, okay, first team to put it together wins. And they start. And this took a lot longer than it was supposed to. There was a reason why. Because guess what? The team that had the box just pushed it aside and tried to put the puzzle together. And so they were the same clueless as the other team. And the other team actually won. It destroyed the object lesson. The whole message was miserable. The kids learned nothing. But I hope you maybe learned something from their folly. God sees it all. He has the picture. And we're sitting there staring at one piece trying to say, okay, I wonder what I should do here. I wonder where this goes. And God says, trust me. I see it all. You can rely on me, not on yourself. You know, Peter faced that Dilemma one morning fishing and it's hard when we're we think we know The situation maybe it's in an area of our lives that we feel fairly confident and For Peter it had to do with fishing He that was what his job was he grew up fishing That's how he made a living before he followed Christ and we see the story in John chapter 21 And Peter and the disciples, some of the other disciples, are out there fishing, and they'd been fishing all night, and they hadn't caught a thing. Now, when I go fishing and don't catch a thing, that's probably pretty average. But for Peter and his friends that were fishermen, this was a bad night. And so the morning is coming, and they're getting ready to come back in. And there's this guy that shows up on the shore. And he calls out, and he says, hey, throw the nets on the other side of the boat. Now think about it. Here's Peter, the professional. And this crazy guy on the shore. He didn't recognize who it was yet. This crazy guy on the shore tells him to throw it on the other side of the boat. They'd been trying all night. The other side of the boat, what's it, 20 feet difference? But for some unexplained reason, Peter and the other disciples agree. They put the nets on the other side of the note. Uh, boat excuse me it's so full of fish they're having a hard time pulling it up Peter recognizes this is Jesus he jumps tries to swim to shore doesn't wait for the boat or help the other guys that's Peter jumps in but guess what it would have been so easy for Peter to say hey you I'm the professional here I know what I'm doing but we do that with God all the time don't we we say hey God I've got this. But here Solomon reminds us don't lean on your own understanding. And then he goes on in verse 6 and he says, In all your ways acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge God? It means much more than to just recognize God exists. It has the emphasis of allowing him to be the leader in the relationship. To acknowledge him says that he is the one who is in control and you are following his lead. He wants to be involved in the details of our life. He wants us to consult him in all things. And guess what? There's that word all again. Trust the Lord with all your heart, verse 5. In all your ways acknowledge Him, verse 6. What does all mean? All means all. That's all all means. In every situation, in every area, at all times. But isn't that hard? If you're like me, you have areas that say, yeah, I can give God this area, but there's certain areas that I'm like, God, this one's mine. I can't give you this. It's like he's walking into your house and you say, okay, here's the living room, here's the kitchen, but I'm not going to let you look in that closet, God. Like he doesn't know what's in there, but we have areas that we're like, no, God, not here. But Solomon's saying, listen, is it all your heart? Are you giving him leadership in all areas? david reminds us of the importance of allowing god to be in control of all areas in psalm 86 verse 11 he talks about an undivided heart listen to what he says psalm 86:11. teach me your way lord that i may rely on your faithfulness give me an undivided heart that i may fear your name what's it mean an undivided heart It's not divided between following God and other things. James talked about what makes a person unstable. He calls that person that's unstable double-minded. Here's God in charge in this area, but I'm in charge in the other area. God wants it all. All times, all areas. Are you trusting him? So if you read through Proverbs 3, you'll find that the Proverbs begin with the commands and then follow with the promise. And he goes back and forth, commands, promise, commands, promise, commands, promise. And that's what's happening here in verses 5 and 6. We see the commands. Trust God with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And then the promise. Then God will direct your paths. That it's interesting, direct your paths, or your Bible may say, make your paths straight. What is that saying? Well, it's actually used of travel being made safe by leveling the road. Some of you are bow hunters, and I was talking to a couple bow hunters this morning, and and talking about blowdowns, and trying to get through all this deadfall. And some of the places are almost impossible to get through. But what's Solomon promising here? He's saying, listen, I'm going to clear it out so you can make it through. He's not saying that there's going to be no difficulty. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be difficult circumstances. But God promises to walk through it with you and to help you through that road. We can trust him completely and follow him fully. We can be confident in his leading. And we can move forward with peace as we follow God's direction. Now, here's a key our trust is a matter of the will, not our emotions. Because if I depend on my emotions to trust God, there will be days that I'm trusting well, and there will be days that I am lacking trust. It's a decision of the will. And in bad times, I can doubt God's direction. In good times, I often forget to seek it. But we're called to trust him in all things, at all times, in every area. In in 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a great story about trusting God in the difficult times. And it's King David. Now, he's not king yet. And he's running from Saul Saul was the king and Saul was jealous of David, David had killed Goliath and then he led some army conquests and the people were were excited about David, they came up with a song, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, Saul became very jealous and thought the people are all going to follow David and not me. And so he decided he was going to try to kill David. So, so David went, and he basically hid in the hills. He hid in caves. And, and then he collected a group of started with 400 and then 600 of these misfits, guys that, that didn't have a place, and they followed him, them and their families. And, and so David started the, with these guys to fight some different battles. And, and so in 1 Samuel 29, they had gone out to a battle. They would won this difficult battle. And 1 Samuel 30, they're on their way back home in the middle of no man's land because they were still hiding from Saul. So they're out they're on their way back home after this impressive victory, but Saul or 1 Samuel 30 begins with the words, then it happened. Not a good way to start. What happened? Well, while they were out risking their lives fighting this battle, standing for a nation that didn't even appreciate them on their way home some enemies had come into where they were living with their families and had wiped out their homes and kidnapped their families so when they got back to this place they called home it was devastated and no one was there And to make matters worse, these men that had followed David, that that David had risked his life in leading them, they turned against David and they were going to stone him. They were going to kill him. So how did David respond? Well, we see his response in 1 Samuel chapter 30 in verse (laughs) 6. I like the beginning. Now David was greatly distressed. Duh! I mean, his family was kidnapped, all of his possessions were wiped out, and the men were trying to kill him. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, including David. But check out the end of the verse. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Trusting God. When things are going very well, we struggle trusting because we say, God, I've got it. I'll let you know if I need your help. But when things are going very poorly, we struggle trusting God because we say, God, where are you? Why did you allow this to happen? But David could realize in the midst of the adversity that God was faithful And he could strengthen himself in the Lord, his God. And wherever you are on that pendulum from the worst of the worst to the best of the best, God is faithful in every spot. And he will be there for you. But you need to trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him he's the one in control not you and what he will make your path straight he will guide you and direct you we don't need to fear the future I love the verse says I don't need to fear the future what can man do to me God's in control he sees the whole puzzle we need to trust him And when we trust him, we can overcome worry. When we trust him, we can live a contented life. When we trust him, we can face the future. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that as almighty God, you love us. Lord, help us to respond with trust, with faith, acting as if your promises are true because we know they are. Lord, help those in this room or watching that may be going through the difficult times, going through the valleys. Lord, help them to be encouraged in your faithfulness. Lord, help each one of us in every situation to put you first. And Lord, we will give you the glory for what you will do. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.